everyone, my name is April Jones and I'm the founder of the Birth to Life Early Care Institute. So this particular podcast is going to be a podcast about the real reason why nobody returned after the pandemic. So I wanted to do this podcast because I've had a range of experiences. I have been in the field 18 years plus, And so I've never really taken a break working in childcare in the childcare industry. However, I decided to take a break as of 2021, 2022, um, so to speak. And I have transitioned into working for myself and nannying. And so I wanted to do this because I think sometimes we've heard the stories over and over and over again about the childcare industry and different things, but I don't think some people really realize some things that are going on. And sometimes they very well could know what's going on. So what led me to taking a break? So one thing I decided to do is just to take a break um, for a little bit, not work in the industry. However, I still feel like I'm connected to the industry. A, I'm doing my podcast, which you're listening to right now. B, I work for myself. C, I'm a NACI member, so I'm still connected in so many ways. And um, I'm, I hold membership in other organizations. And so this is my field. And so I decided one of the things that happened in my evolution is that I, I know that, you know, when I was looking at myself as being an advocate and being someone that has worked in the field, I was just think, thinking of like, okay, I work in childcare, I work actually working in school, but I can still be an advocate without working for someone, without being in the school childcare center full time. I will say that I still one day want to transition into going back into childcare, but at this time, I do not want to do it right now, and I will go into my reasons, um, because I felt like I just needed that break. I just needed a break from it, okay? And, um, Coming from a person that has been a seasoned educator, that has been an administrator, has that has been a contractor, so to speak, I've worn all different types of hats. Um, some of those hats I did not get paid for, and you know, doing different things at um, childcare centers and things like that. But I just wanted to have a real convo about it. So the reason why I decided to just take a break from it is because I felt like as though it was kind of um, wheeled into my way. Like, so I was working at a school, right? And during that time that I was working at the school, I wasn't there that long. And during that time, the school actually lost its license. Now something happened um, with like background checks and stuff like that before I even started and as a result I guess they had came out and again all of this stuff kind of happened before I started but that process was continuous while I was working there and what happened was they end up losing their license um and they end up getting a new owner basically so it was something to see that process and honestly to see a owner go through that that it was heart-wrenching um it was just so sad to see i've never seen an owner go through that process of losing their license like that and it 
was basically over background checks. So I want to let every person, this is just a disclaimer, I want to let every person out there know people that want to own centers one day, people that own centers right now, just know that, you know, I would suggest you doing thorough background checks on people and making sure that you know how to do it in your online systems or whatever, whatever state you work in. Because I'm telling you, just to see that, that like I, again, it was heart-wrenching, it was sad. I, I literally saw a person kind of just crumble in their spirit, in their soul, trying to save the school. And then they end up kind of snatching. So basically this person owned um, the school, but then they owned another location. And because of what happened, they end up losing their license at the other location, but they wasn't supposed to lose their license. It was just a whole bunch of stuff. It was just a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of stuff, unfortunately. So, um, I witnessed that. I witnessed that and I went through that. Uh, and I believe I went through that for a reason. Um, just know that your licensing consultants and all of that in the state, they don't play. They do not play. And I, at the end of the day, I do understand because they want to make sure that children are in a space where they are safe, basically. They are safe. We've seen the horror stories. We've seen um, people on TV, you know, cameras, all these different things that's happening in child care centers. Not everywhere, but we've, we've seen it. We've seen things that happen on the news, children getting locked in in the school, all this kind of stuff. So we do understand the importance of children being safe. Um, so during that time, you know, it was a lot of transition and it was a lot of things that they were doing. And as a result, they decided to, you know, change my position, dissolve the position um, because, you know, it was just all of this different stuff um, or whatever. Not that necessarily that I was doing anything bad or, you know, things like that. It was just what happens, new ownership, new things happen, changes needed to be made, all that kind of stuff. I will say that, um, you know, I did, you know, come to terms with it and I was okay with it because honestly, like now I'm just at a cert certain place of peace. Um, and it's not necessarily about the money because I even made way more money, um, actually, than I was making there. So it's not really a, even about the money. It's just that I'm in a place of peace and I just decided that, hey, maybe I just need to step back and take a break from it. Um, so when the pandemic happened, I was actually working at another school. I was working in an inclusion school and um, it was very, very tough. Um that was my first year being an administrator. So imagine you are your first year being an administrator and working in administration in a school for the very first time and then the pandemic hit, okay? When I think about that, um, wow, <laughs> wow. What, what a roller coaster. What a tremendous roller coaster. The other administrators that I had worked with, they were former educators. One one particular administrator, she was actually a former owner. She owned her own school. But that was, again, my very first experience going through the pandemic. I will say this. When I was a, um, an administrator, 
you know, I did have times where I really enjoyed administration, but for the most part, when I look back on it, all I think about is the stress that I had. It was very, very stressful. And so now that I'm in different organizations, different mentorship groups and all this kind of stuff, I just have an awareness and I realize um, something. Number one, the amount of administration that we had at our school was not enough. Um, I was on a call one night. I was on a call one night um, and the mentor is based out of another state, based in Texas. An amazing woman, dynamic woman. And we were just talking about staffing and stuff like that. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I've, I've been in a school like that. You know, and we call them like super centers because I, you know, we had 13 classrooms, close to 200 teachers, not 200 children, I'm sorry, close to uh, 40 to 50 teachers when we were fully staffed and everything. And she immediately said, she was like, how many of, how many um, administrators you had? I was like, it was me and two other people. She was like, already, that's not enough people. Immediately, that's what she said. That's not enough people. Because looking back, Honestly, when I look at different schools, I was doing the job of like three and four people. You know, you have schools that have administrate um, enrollment coaches and enrollment specialists. Um, you have schools that have infinite toddler, you know, curriculum people and stuff like that. I was basically doing that. And um, I was wearing a, a lot of different hats. I want to say staffing was a nightmare. <laughs> it was a complete, complete, complete nightmare. Um, we would use up to two and three temporary agencies. Um, I think that out of the whole entire time that I was an administrator for that year, again, I was at the school for close to five years. So I was an educator first and then I was promoted to administration. Um, out of that whole entire time, there was only one day, only one day that all the teachers came to work. Only one day. We actually put, we had this coverage board and we actually put a smiley face on the board. Can you, can you, somebody was out every single day, every single day. And I'm not talking about PTO and stuff like that or anything like that, because that's an automatic given. And I'm not even really counting that, but just call outs. Um, just the amount of call-outs. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point in time, you know, I was an educator there, and I even called out um, quite a bit. And it wasn't it wasn't um, because I just didn't want to come to work. It was because I was sick, and I, would get, and I would get to that. I would get to that. But, yeah, so I'm going through all of these rabbit holes, right? And I was thinking about this. And so for the most part, when I look back on my childhood, child care experiences, I have happy memories. I really do. I have a lot of happy memories. Um, I think my most prized memories was when I was working in a research child development center. I just remember that was an amazing time for me. It was stressful there too. We had some very stressful moments too. We, it, it, we actually even coined that high stakes center. But you know, for the most part, I had a wonderful time. Um, the real reason why, you know, a lot of people are not in childcare 
and everything is because the stress is crumbling. The amount of stress you experience is crumbling, okay? Um, I think that, yes, manufactured lessons and curriculums can be one thing because teachers don't feel they don't see themselves in the curriculum and they don't see their children in the curriculum. So that can be a determining factor. Yes, absolutely. Um, Parents. Let me tell you something about this generation of parents. I, I I can honestly say through my career, I've had some, I've had some amazing parents, amazing parents, but then I've had some very entitled people too that I've worked with. And I don't know what it is now. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's a sign of times. I don't know if it's just the times that we're living in. But I've just noticed that, and you you ask teachers, people are not necessarily um, disciplining their children. Discipline has become a bad word, but discipline is actually a good word. It actually is. Um, now, you know, they even say positive discipline because, you know, discipline has become such this taboo, like, oh, don't say discipline, don't say bad word. But guess what? Every human being that functions in, in this life needs a form of discipline, okay? They need a form of discipline. There's no way around it. Um, and in the 1950s and the 60s and things like that, you know, they really focused on children having a certain level of discipline but not only that like the self-help skills the manners and stuff like that and it can be very very helpful transitioning into maybe school and school cultures and environments you know because it's about training um if all of that training has gone out the door and people just shifting their children off these masses of children off in the classrooms and stuff like that which what are you what do you think is happening in the classrooms and that's what's happening with the teachers um, a lot of, I feel as though a lot of this has fallen on the teachers where I feel as though that parents need accountability. They need accountability. Um, and that has kind of gone out the window. You know, I don't know. I'm just going to say it, but it's not the teacher's responsibility to discipline and do all of these different things that you should be teaching your children at home. And if you don't know how to do it, it's okay. It's okay. Now more than ever, we have an abundance of materials, but I do believe that the parents are a child's first teacher and it does start at home. Now, I do recognize that, you know, children come from different backgrounds and different things happen to them, all of that kind of stuff. I understand that. You're you're, you're, You're actually listening to a person that went through traumatic childhood trauma, okay? traumatic traumatic childhood trauma however now I look back and I'm like you know what it wasn't my teacher's responsibility to instill social emotional development yes they can do it but ultimately that's my parents responsibility they're the ones that created me they're the ones that had me okay so yeah all of that more than ever you know a lot of people don't want to listen to that but that is a big huge factor why people are leaving because you know if I can't get little Sarah just to simply I don't know you know do certain things 
and I'm, I'm skilled enough, I'm trained enough to do all these effective strategies, but it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of time. And then I have to do that times 15 or times, you know, 17 or 18 or 19, or, you know, some teachers even have 25 children. I know when I was an after school teacher, I used to have 25 children by myself, kindergarten through six. Isn't that, isn't that crazy and sickening at the same time? But yeah, you know, all of that has went out the door. And then, you know, a lot of times, you know, in our society, teachers are not valued. They're just not valued like that. Um, we have childcare centers, childcare um, teachers and educators that are, they're going through a tough time, but you know, more than ever, I don't think people realize that most childcare centers that employ um, educators are on the brink of homelessness. I was listening to my friend's story one time and she talked about how, so when I worked at a research child development center, at that particular center, we, you had to pay parking. You had to pay parking every single month. And she was just like, I couldn't even afford, I couldn't afford to park. I couldn't afford to, for gas. And this was around the time that the recession was really bad. However, we're going through inflation right now and things are like sky high. But it's just amazing to me that when you, when people would ask her, Hey, like, where do you work? And she was like, okay, I work at this university. You wouldn't, you would never think that a person that works at a university could not afford for their lights to be on or feed their own children or put gas in their own car because you look at all of this money that is flowing through these universities and stuff like that and you know I know that it's a whole bunch that comes with that but it's just amazing that this person was working at a university and was on the brink of homelessness that's all I'm saying um and so yeah so Congress, child care centers, all that kind of stuff, like for the most part, an owner and a director, they, they can jump in their car and they can go home, go to a house and go home and, and have a meal and have lights on and stuff like that. Most of these people, like I said, is on the brink, on the brink. You might have a teacher that come in there, lights off, haven't had food. At that particular center I was telling you about, um, they made sure that they always cooked enough food for teachers to take home. That was their, that was part of them valuing teachers is that they always made sure that teachers would not go hungry. And I was, and when I say the food is good, it's good, y'all. It's good. It's vegan, but it's catered, but it's good. And I don't think, do y'all ever think that Maybe your your teacher looks frustrated because they didn't have a meal last night. <laughs> and you might say, well, you know, I can't control that and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to solve these problems. But you have to really think about that. Like, OK, while my teacher's leaving, maybe they just want to be able to take care of their families. Maybe they want to thrive instead of survive. I live... Um, you know, in Atlanta. Okay. I live in an Atlanta area right now in Atlanta. 
you have to be able to make two to three times the rent, two to three times the rent to even qualify for a place to live. So where are these people living? You know, I don't know where everybody lives and all that kind of stuff, but in my city where I live, you, again, you have to make two to three times the rent. And there's no such thing as income-based apartments anymore. There's no such thing as these subsidies. Like, people do not care about childcare teachers. I'm just being honest. They don't care. Like, your landlord, at the end of the day, because I've seen this for my own self, I've seen this with my own eyes, where teachers have done had to leave. Like, Miss April, I got to go. I got to work out something with my landlord. My, my rent is late and stuff like that. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah, I can see that because, you know, if you're right now and to survive in this economy to at least to survive a little bit, you have to make 40000 and over. If your teacher is not making 40000 and over, they're struggling. Point blank, period. Point blank, period point blank period and the only reason why if they're not struggling is either a they're married because a lot of people are married some people are not a they're married b they got a roommate or something like that or c they got a second job because that happens a lot too but other than that if they're making other than that amount okay and you know uh, some child care owners don't even know what the rent is out here you don't have a clue what the rent is or anything like that. You don't have a clue, you know. Um, I'm just saying, like, so we all we got to look at that too. So Congress and everybody else tell them, like, okay. And then if they sound kind of like, okay, so what? We still don't care. Well, this is a thing too. If parents and families don't have nowhere to send their children something is gonna happen real strange to this economy (laughs) and we've already seen that with all the job vacancies and stuff like that you know a lot of things are going to happen if these parents cannot get to work because everybody can't work from home and then more and more companies now are requiring that people come back into the office and now more than ever americans are working more hours more than ever but something happened during the pandemic to where people were like, I value myself. So when I was working at this inclusion school that I loved, and but most, for the most part, it was just stressful, um, I had got really, really sick. You know, I had got really sick. I'm talking to the point to where I could not get up and walk. I was in, it's 24 hours a day. I was in bed 20 hours a day. And one of my goals in the morning would be to put on makeup, you know, or bathe or something like that. When I say I got, I got sick, I got sick. And I was like, it happened during the pandemic. That honestly was the worst time to get sick because everybody, you know, COVID and not dismissing that, but you know, doctors, (laughs) COVID was their first priority, you know, and at the same time, they didn't want to see certain people in the office. It was, it was just a hot mess, y'all. It was hot foolishness. Thankfully, I had insurance. Thankfully, um, I just had insurance and, um, I did not work at like these 
another type of center because I'm telling you, like, if that would have happened, if I was at a school where I couldn't get insurance or that it had no PTO time or sick time or, any, or, or HR department, I definitely would have went under. Just, just went under. So I'm thankful that, that and I'm, I'm thankful that God really saw me through. Um, that right there, after that experience, it just have a whole level of gratitude. And I just told myself, you know, wow, it made me sick. It made me physically sick. I had some things going on, but what happened was the stress in your body had comes out in different ways. So it, it just shut my body down. Just literally shut it down. Shut it down. So, um, yeah, like, think about that. Think about teachers. Think about that. You know, they think about, okay, I'm working here, but I don't have any health insurance. Um, I'm working here, but I don't have any retirement. And working in childcare wears and tears on your body. I was working it with a child one year that had many different abilities, um, sensory issues and all that. And I love working with her. So it wasn't about the love and passion. I love working with her. But however, as a result, working with her, I became physically sick and my hand and my arm actually went numb for a year and a half. For one year and a half working with her. And, you know, where was my support? You know, a lot of childcare teachers have looked back on their life and they're like, I missed out. I missed out. Um, some people can't go on vacations. They can't take sick because it's like a rat race. Childcare industry can be a real rat race. It's a rat race type of feel. And so more than ever, we need help. We need help to break this cycle. Um, Children are important. If you if you understand that intelligence, if you value intelligence, if you value education, you have to value that brain. Okay. And childcare centers mold and shape and the, are the architects of brain development every single day. And and I feel like I've been called to this field. I will talk about childcare and early care education until I'm dead, y'all. I, I know that. I know that for a fact. If I live to be 101, I will be talking about this until I'm 101, until y'all finally get it, you know. Um, and so, yeah. So childcare owners and directors, I know sometimes you're doing the best that you can do. I know that some people, some people really don't care. I'm just being honest with you. And I've wor- I've worked for owners and directors like that. They they can give a rat's behind if you are even eating, sleeping, or they, they don't care as long as you're in that classroom and you're satisfying their client, they could care less about you. And I hate to say it that way, but I've experienced it and I know it. But then I've been in other centers where people really do value educators and, um, you know, in my last school, they were like, you know, the teachers are the highest in the school. Like, we value them so much. You know, we they're the highest in our society, in our community. So, I know that's not, you know, for everybody. But, 
you know, for the child care owners and directors, keep keep doing what you can. Keep trying as much as you can. I know it's not easy for Congress. Please get off your behind and help these centers in some type of way. Um, because if you, I don't care if you're the Democrat, Republican, Green, Independent, or whatever. When America can't go to work, you're gonna see a real problem. You're gonna have a real problem on your hands. Okay. We do understand that, you know, you probably can't afford for your child to have the best high quality childcare and everything like that. But, you know, this, th- we, we have to serve each other. We have to care for one, one another because when we don't, it goes to pot, you know, and, um, if we don't do something about it fast, you're really going, you're really going to have a problem on your hands. Okay. <laughs> you're really going to have a problem on your hands. So this is my real and raw combo. You know, you can share it. Um, you can comment if you want. You can do whatever you want with it. But, you know, this is the real reason why some people have left. Some people have stayed because they really, they really, some people have stayed because they actually do enjoy it. But I think sometimes, too, they're just committed. Some people have stayed because, you know, they don't know what else to do. Um, for you know it's just I'm just being honest that that it's just what it is but you know I'm one of those people because you know when I was a pre-k teacher I saw my life change when I was reading that research and I'm like I felt like this is revolutionary this is what we need like all of the things that I learned about play-based education I applied into every aspect of my life you know and it, it has helped me to understand have more social emotional competence and capacity for other people understand human intelligence and all different types of things so you know share the podcast you know um this is so dear to me but if you're ever wondering why okay why people didn't come back this is why this is this is why (laughs) this is why this is why a lot of people didn't come back if you're a parent your teacher your director whoever you are listening to this do something for a child care center. Drop off some books. Give them some lunch. Give them some money. Give them some gas cars. Real estate agents. Build a community for teachers. I don't know. You know, listen to it. Do something. Get in a fight. Do something. Help. You know, you can go... When you, when you die, you can thank yourself for doing something for others besides just doing something for yourself and your own family all right share like and subscribe thank you for listening to this combo have a great day